And so tonight's message is um, we'd call vision message. And uh, what I want to do, I want to do a couple things. One, I want to share the vision of, of who we are um, here at Cedar Point Recovery. And so there's going to be elements of this. If you've journeyed with us for a while, you've heard. Um, but as we've grown, um, last week we had 284 people here, which is exciting, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, a huge thing to celebrate. We've brought in people. And this is what happens when you grow. People don't know who you are and what you're about. And so those of you that have been bought in for a while to this whole idea, this concept of what we want to see take place here, um, help lean in, allow God to, to just kind of stir you up for that fresh wind, right? That excitement about carrying this out in our community. If you're here for the first time, I encourage you to lean in um, and see what God has for you here. And, and these are truths, right? I'm still preaching a message. It's not a seminar. I'm not trying to sell you something. Um, but I'm trying to bring you to a place that I believe that God brought us to several years ago. And so um, the, the main thing I kind of want you guys to know, and the reason that I'm um, preaching this message tonight, is uh, we're, not, we're not a celebrate recovery. We're not a 12-step. That's not what we do here. Um, I, uh, I personally... Um, disagree with those as far as the church goes. I don't think 12 steps are biblical, um, and I don't think any program based on the 12 steps is biblical. And so that's, that's not at all what, what takes place here. And the reason I'm saying that and repeating it so much is, is there's been a couple people here, I don't want to point fingers, but you keep checking in to something called Celebrate Recovery, and I'm going to hunt you down, and I'm going to kick you in the boy parts, because um, that's not what this is, man. It's Cedar Point Recovery. Um, <laughs> but um, and the reason there's a distinction is, is not because, you know, like we don't do an acrostic or something like that. It's because the foundational principles are different. Um, what, what, what we're trying to convey here, um, what we're trying to impart here um, is not something that you find in other recovery ministries. There's a reason we have 284 people, and it's, it's not because I'm so sexy and bald. Um, it's because <laughs> it's we bring people to the foot of the cross to encounter Jesus Christ and let them know that, man, this is the way to be free. It's because we allow people to experience the goodness of the gospel, not the goodness of the 12 steps, right? That, that we bring them to a place where they can encounter all of Jesus and Jesus can transform us, right? And change us and set us free. And so that's why it's so important to say that we're not that because when people understand what we're not, they can understand what we are and we are wholly Christ-centered here. I get accused, thank you, uh, um, I've been accused several times of, of this being a church service, and my answer to that is always, yes, it is. I'm glad that you noticed, right? I, I want it to be that because I, I, don't, I don't want something that, that's man-made and um, to, to be what I lead you to, right? That, that when I look at the gospel, this is what I know, that um, Jesus came so that we could um, have salvation, right? Um, but so that we could be free from our sin and I don't care what it is, if it's addiction um, to substance, if it's, um, you know, addiction to lust, right? Um, no matter what your broken place is, um, <clears throat> whatever false identity you've bought into, the answer is always the same. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And so several years ago, we started on this journey to change. Um, and my hope with this um, was to change the way that everyone viewed recovery, Right, that <clears throat> the people who suffer from substance abuse um, make stupid choices and get high, um, right, that we're not a subclass 
of people. We're not a subclass of Christian. In fact, we're just as broken as everyone else. Um, and so those of us that, that have that, right, that we need the same Jesus, that those of you that are here that are dealing with, again, those, those lies and that you deal with self-worth or, or whatever it may be, right, that, that you, you need the same Jesus we need so that we could stop putting a barrier and creating a chasm between people and just recognize the fact that, that Christ came for each and every one of us so that we could have an encounter with him, the word, right? Um, God in a body and be freed from whatever it is that we're struggling with um, and look forward to that hope of eternity with him in heaven. And so um, tonight we are gonna talk about who we are. We're gonna talk about three different aspects. Like when, uh, when we wrote this, when we um, decided to make this move, there were three elements that we wanted to be in our DNA from the very beginning um, to set us apart, to, to do things differently. Um, and so to open up tonight, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to First Peter, First Peter chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app. We have all of the notes there. You can follow along with this. First Peter was written by a guy named Peter. This is one of Jesus's um, inner disciples, right? He had 12, but he had three that were kind of set apart, and Peter was one of them. Um, this is the Peter that Jesus encountered and said, you know, you're no longer Simon, you're Peter, and um, upon this rock, I'll build my church, my ecclesia. Um, and so Peter, he says this, he says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. And I, and I love that because um, it begins to paint a picture of what we're about here. That there's a reason that we're all about Jesus is because Jesus is, is man, he's, he's our answer. And, and Peter says, so humble yourselves, right? Humble yourselves, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And it's important to start there. I know early on in, in what I was doing and what I was encountering, um, I didn't do that. Um, I, well, one, I wasn't very humble. Um, by nature, I'm an incredibly arrogant person. Um, it's one of my broken places. Somebody's shaking their head like, yeah, like I know you. I'm sorry. I mean, she's, she's clearly encountered that, right? So everybody who journeys with me very long, at some point you're like, this guy's a prick. Um, shouldn't have said that. Uh, that's another one of my broken places. But... Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Recognize, recognize that there's a, a greater power. And this isn't just that anything can be a greater power, right? This is where we're gonna make that deviation. It's not the spaghetti monster. It's not the, the doorknob. It's not the rock in your pocket. It's humble yourselves under what? The mighty power of, of God. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up at just the right time. At just the right time. And he goes on and he says, so stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. And I preached on this some yesterday. And it's that there's this, this personal evil. It's interesting that Peter didn't say God's great enemy. But whose great enemy? Your great enemy. My great enemy. A personal evil set to personally attack each and every one of us because God loves us. That's the only thing that we did, was be loved by God. And because of that, this enemy, our enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. And it's important to understand that, the first off, if there is a great evil, and he's a personal evil, and you don't recognize that, well, he's going to get you, right? 
We have to recognize that he's there and we have to recognize that, that God's there, that there's a, a personal God that loves us and there's a, a personal evil out to get us. And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And so Peter reminds us to stand firm, that, that there is spiritual warfare that takes place. There's things set out to, to detract us from the things of God, to distract us, to destroy us, right? To subvert what God's doing. That, that's something that takes place. And then he goes on, he said, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation all power to him forever amen after you suffered a little while so peter wrote this to christians being persecuted and and peter's promise wasn't like hey you believe in god everything's just going to be perfect for you in the here and now but but when we pursue god when we put him at the center when we humble ourselves he will strengthen us he will place us on a firm foundation and at some point man we'll, we'll experience his glory this side of heaven or the other. But when we put all of our, our faith and our trust in him, eventually it works out in our favor. And point number one is this. We believe here that Jesus is the answer to all of our struggles. Jesus is the answer to all of our struggles, that no matter what you're going through, right, no matter what temptation it is, no matter, no matter what it is, Jesus should be at the center. Now, I'm not selling you I'm not selling you a lie that, man, if, you, if you're a faithful, committed Christian, you go to church every day, you read your Bible, that you will never face any type of troubles, any trials, any tribulations, because that would be a lie. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you will leave here, and at some point, no matter how committed you are, no matter how faithful you are, no matter what, you're going to face hardships. But what happens is when we put Jesus at the center of it, when we recognize that he's the answer in the struggle, the way that we weather the storm changes. It's no longer something that destroys us physically and possibly eternally, right? It's no longer something that sweeps us completely off of our feet and destroys our legacy that we're leaving our family and our children. I'm not talking about financial, I'm talking about spiritual, right? Our faith, but that we approach things differently. I know there was a time in my life, anytime I faced a hardship, all I did was go get high and drunk, and I just burned my life down. Now, in, in this season of life, I still face hardships. I don't always handle them the best, but because Jesus is at the center, I don't destroy my life anymore. Life still sucks. There, there's, I still fight with my wife. I, I still have a hard time with my children. My children don't listen to me. You, you got teenagers? I've got teenagers. They're the same, right? Like, Jesus didn't change them. I mean, they're still, they're still 16-year-olds. But the way that we navigate all that changes because Jesus is at the center and Jesus is the answer, right? Jesus, we believe, we believe here that Jesus is the answer to our struggles. Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, it says then, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. 
This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And I love that. So the writer of Hebrews, and I say the writer because we're not 100% sure who wrote it, begins to describe Jesus as this high priest. And what a high priest did, what he's describing, is this is the one that goes before God and intercedes on our behalf, right? That as you're going through something, he says, hey, listen, um, God, Aaron's dense. Trust me, I know him. Um, I've, got a, I've got a really tight personal relationship with him. Extend him a little bit of grace. He's pretty stupid, right? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't use those words, but, but he begins to intercede on our behalf, right? To journey with us, and he's there. And then it goes on and it says this, so, say so. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. And I love that. Because you don't have that outside of a relationship with Jesus. If you put anything at the center of your struggle, right? If you look to any other thing, entity, book, anything for answers, for a solution, you've missed it. it. It's only by allowing Jesus to be the primary source for your struggle that you can go graciously, boldly to the throne of God's grace and his mercy and receive exactly what you need. Again, things may be, may be hard. I'm not saying, I, I want you to hear me, I'm not saying you've got a, a delinquent notice and, and you go to God boldly that, man, a check's gonna show up and everything's gonna be okay. Your, your electric might get cut off. You should have managed money different. I mean, or, or maybe it's out of your control. But I mean, but when we approach that and go through that, we get to go through it differently. We may go through the same suck as everybody else but we get to go through it a little bit differently. But we've got to recognize that Jesus is the answer to our struggle. That, that's, the, that's the center. And so here at Cedar Point Recovery, what sets us apart is we are unapologetic about that. You should be unapologetic about it. That no matter what you're going through, and I'm not saying you can't have other things that come alongside it, Jesus is at the center. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is... Is, is the guide, right? Go to him first. Go to him first. And so again, we believe Jesus is the answer to our struggle. If you would, turn with me to 2 Timothy. We're gonna be 2 Timothy 1, starting in verse five. 2 Timothy was written um, by the apostle Paul. It's called Timothy, 2 Timothy, because it was written to a guy named Timothy. This was a spiritual son to the apostle Paul. And he says this, um, 2 Timothy um, chapter uh, one verses five through six, it says, I remember your genuine faith for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And then he says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Point number two is this. We believe that Jesus gives us a spirit of power and self-control. Why is that important? The world will tell you that there's things that can go on in your life that you're just powerless. You're just a victim over. Now, I don't want to make light of being a victim of something. Many of you know my story. I, I was molested from 8 to 11. Severe sexual abuse and trauma. I was victimized then. But what happens is then things go on in our lives and we say, this choice is out of my control. I can't help but get high. That's a lie straight from hell. 
That's a lot. Outside of Christ, we can be in a situation where there's nothing we can do. But when we become believers, we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and then you have the spirit of power, love, self-control. And that's why we begin to set ourselves apart. That's why, that's, that's one of my biggest things. It's one of my biggest things against other programs and ideologies that want to tell you you're powerless over what goes on in your life. Outside of Christ, yes. But when you go to point number one and you make Jesus the center, you're no longer powerless over the way that we navigate things, right? He gives us a spirit of power, love, self-control. I would love, I would love if I could honestly say that things are out of my control, that my mouth is out of my control. I would love that. Man, I want to read that scripture. I would be in a lot less trouble. I'd be a lot less trouble if I could go to my wife and say, honey, sorry. I just can't control it. But that's a lie. It's a lie. But that's what we tell ourselves. For so long, personally, that's how I went through life, 18 years of addiction. I can't help it. I can't help it. You just don't know. You don't know my, man, the, my family, the, what I come from. I, I played the genetics card, right? My, my granddaddy, granddaddy, man, he was a drunk. Man, I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm just going to be a drunk, right? I know I'm not the only one that, that plays that kind of crap, right? It's what we do. Why? Because it's an excuse, because if it's somebody else's problem, it ain't our problem. You've got the problem. You've got the problem with the way I am. This is how God made me. We do it with pride. I'm just proud. You're just full of it. That's what you are. Right? You're just, you just don't want to look in the mirror and take responsibility. And I get it. I don't either. It's hard. It's hard. I don't want to. But the truth of the matter is that anytime we do that, we're lying. That God gives us the ability to become sanctified, right? To, to move in a direction to be more Christ-like. That's the truth of the gospel. When we humble ourselves, when we go back <laughs> boldly to the throne of God's gracious, to our gracious God, you will receive mercy and you will find grace to help us. When, when that's our sinner, and we struggle with something and we go to God and humble ourselves. God, I've messed up. I need you to move here. God is faithful. God is faithful. And, and, and he does move. He, he does grow us. I'm not saying you'll be perfect. But when that's our attitude, when that's our answer, every time we have something going on, right? And I'm really struggling with wanting to use. And, and we go boldly, God, God, you know my heart. You know I'm weak in this moment. He'll lift you up. At just the right time, right? That's the truth. That's the truth. And any time we step outside of that, we've bought into a perversion of truth. We've bought into a lie. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We believe that Jesus gives us a spirit of power and self-control. I love Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Uh, the guys have been going over this in the house a lot um, because it's so important, right, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? That's, that's recognizing one when we become a believer that we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, right? So when we make our recovery around that truth, that's what we're recognizing. We're recognizing that we're saved, but we're recognizing that we're, we're temples for the living God. And his Holy Spirit indwells us. And it begins to do things and it's produce a fruit. Now, if you've ever grown anything, right? The only thing I've ever grown is weed. But, you know, some of you guys have grown other things, right? Um, 
and it produces fruit, right? And, and it begins to develop over time. It's not instantaneous. You don't put the seed in the ground like 16-year-old Aaron thought, and you wake up the next morning and, and have a plant, right? It's not how, but over time, what happens? Things grow and develop. And Galatians 5.23 tells us, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What? Self-control. One more time, self-control. Well, that doesn't fit into my 12-step. I'm powerless. I can't help myself. It doesn't fit the narrative, does it? I mean, if God produces self-control, then what are you you saying? I have to take responsibility for my actions? Yes, that's what we're telling you. Then when we begin to look at recovery differently and we recognize that that God gives us power to carry out his plan and his purpose and his will in our lives, he gives us self-control. It's something that's produced in us as we pursue him. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So when we put Christ at the center and that becomes our our entire paradigm, our our focus, it's why I can't step out of this. I have to be engulfed in it at all times because if I'm not then I struggle here but the closer I get to him the more I pursue him the more that man that self-control is present in my life the better I am about my thoughts my actions my mouth and then the more sensitive I am to his voice and his leading saying hey don't step there nope 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 not there this way this way, stupid. That, I mean, that's how God talks to me. I don't know about you, but. Um, and he tells me, right? Because that's what he said. He's, he leads us. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, and I love that, when you are tempted. So you will be what? Tempted. You will be. Again, and I want, to, I want to reiterate that. I'm not telling you that you do things this way, that you will not face trials, that life will not be difficult. It absolutely will be. It will be. I guarantee it. I promise you. I promise you. You're going to be in the suck. But when you're there, we get to, we get to experience it differently. We get to have a, a joy we get to have love. I mean, we, we get these things in our lives that allow us to navigate all the things that, that we don't get, absence of the presence of God in our lives. Again, we believe that Jesus gives us a spirit of power and a self-control. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we begin to close. Um, 2 Corinthians, it was written by Paul just like um, Timothy's written by Paul, right? This is the Apostle Paul, um, and this is written to the church of Corinth, right? Um, First Corinthians had dealt with some things that they, they had messed up on, and, and kind of Second Corinthians was a follow-up letter um, to all of that that, that Paul had, had written to him. But Second Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16, it says, so we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. Now, I want to pause right there. 
because it's what we do, right? Again, we, we allow culture to dictate how we view life, how we view recovery, and, and everything else. But we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. And I love this. This means, say this means. This means that anyone, now, anyone, before we get into it, I want you to know you're, you're included in that. Any, you're, you're a part of the anyone crowd. I don't, I don't care that you weren't born in this, this city, right? Maybe you're not from Claremore, or maybe you're not from Oklahoma, or maybe you were born on the wrong side of the tracks or whatever it was. You're still part of the anyone. No matter your race, no matter your social economic background, it doesn't matter. You're the anyone, okay? So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ. Now, that, that's the caveat right there. That what? Belongs to Christ. So we go back to point one, that we believe that Jesus is the answer to our struggles, right? A relationship with him. So anyone who's bought into that, that idea, that relationship that pursues him is then indwelled with the Holy Spirit, right? And we, we have that and it begins to grow this fruit of self-control and we have a spirit of power and things begin to change. So this means that anyone, those anyone's that belong to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. I, I love that because that means that no matter what you've done, in God's eyes, you're new. That the, the spirit, Aaron, right? That the, the eternal me is changed, regenerated, made new. Any of us who call on the name of the Lord get to experience this. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. You become the anyone. And so point number three is this. We believe that Jesus changes our stories and frees us from the past, right? The old life is done. There's a new person. Now, the reason I, we harp on this is because there are certain groups out there that will tell you, once you were an addict, that's you forever. That doesn't line up with the gospel, that, that's saying that, man, you're just going to be that same broken. I mean, stop confessing that over your life. Stop, stop saying that. I mean, step away from it. Now, you got to have enough wisdom not to go get drunk or high again, right? It'd be like saying, hey, I, I, I cheated on my wife. I'm an adulterer forever. Can you imagine showing up to like every family Christmas party? And like, Hi, my name's Aaron. I'm an adulterer. <laughs> How stupid would that be? I mean, if you repented, right, received the forgiveness of God, is that a label that you carry forever? No. Well, why do we do it with these other things? Why have we taken a certain type of sin and brokenness in people's lives and set it aside and said, this is going to be you forever, no matter what? Why? It's not right. It's not accurate. It's not the good news. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. That, that's the old labels. That's the old stigma, right? When in the eyes of Christ, he views you differently. As scripture tells us, as far as the east is from the west, that's like eternally, God has forgotten your sins, your transgressions. If he's forgotten them, why don't you? Why don't you move on and step into the new man and the new person, right? And stop carrying that with you. It's not for you. It's not for you. And we have to recognize and understand that, that if we 
go back and we make Jesus the center. That's, we, we're, he's, he's our everything, right? He's our answer. He, he's our savior. He's not the co-pilot. He's the, co, he's the pilot, right? He's, he's leading your life. You've got relationship with him. You've made him Lord, right? You've confessed with your mouth and, and your heart and believe that, that he's, he's Lord, right? Authority, and you live your life that way. You've got the Holy Spirit. You're, you're transformed. That, that's, what we, that's what we want you to understand. That's, that's the shift. When we look at recovery, when we look at this ministry and the way it's carried out in our church and our community, the thing that we want to see more than anything is for people who used to make bad choices to stop identifying with them and identify with Jesus. I love that there's something I, I when I bring guys into the house, uh, into our, our Live Free program, I often tell them we have... I'm not as good as it, at it as I used to be, but um, I would tell them, listen, like we want you to be notoriously free. Like it's one of our sayings, like it's live free, but we want you to be notoriously free. What's that mean? Like known for freedom. Like there was a point in my life I was known as a drug addict, that I was known as a drug dealer, right? Known for it, I had a notorious reputation and we've all had it, right? You could go down the list for you personally, what are you knowing? I mean, maybe you were, you know, known as just, man, somebody who's just depressed all the time, just sad and, and hates life. I mean, maybe you were known as an adulterer, and that's you, known as a gambling addict, known as a drunk. Maybe you're known as a Karen, down with Karen, <laughs> right? Whatever that may be, and you've just, you've carried that with you, and you've labeled yourself with that. As you step into that relationship with Jesus and, and you do recovery differently, like the, the Christ-centered way, you get to set that down. Actually, you're encouraged to, not just by me, but by the word. The old is gone. Like, that is gone. It's done. Finito, right? We're, we're through with that. We don't carry that anymore. I never, ever, 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 ever go anywhere and tell anybody I'm a drug addict. Because I'm not. I haven't been one in so long. Why would I? And anytime somebody tries to tell me that I'm that, I jump down their throat. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby, right? <laughs> no. And God's word tells us too, and this is why it's important. That there's, there's the power of life in the tongue. There's the power of death there too. And if you want to go around labeling yourself with something you're done with, you will white knuckle that forever. Those are people who struggle because they won't stop. Stop saying that's who you are. Set it down, give it to God, be done with it. Don't look back. Don't look back and walk in the freedom that God's given you. When you read through Romans 6, it talks about it, right? Freedom that God's given us over sin. We get to experience that. Once you were slaves, but now you're free. So again, we, we need to recognize that Jesus, he changes our story. There's things I'm notorious for now. Drug addiction and alcoholism isn't one of them. It's not. There's nobody in my life today that has any notion of that, right? They don't, you don't see it. It's not who I am. Changes our story. Jesus will change your story. Maybe he already has. Changes our story and frees us from the past. And I say frees us because so many of us want to carry it with us.
like it's a prison sentence, just dragging it. Man, to relationship, to conversation, wearing it all over yourself. Just stop. Allow God to do what God can do. Change your story and free you from the past. He goes on in verse 18 and he says, and all of this is a gift from God. I, I love that because when we talk about the relationship with Jesus, putting him at the center, the Holy Spirit, man, things being changed, it's a gift. Now, I don't know about where you come from, but where I come from, gifts are free. You don't have to work for it. You just have to receive it. That's it, right? So you don't have to, you don't have to take a shower before you can come here and get clean, right? You, you don't have to, man, to wash off before you're presented in front of Jesus so that you can look good enough so maybe he'll do something for you. No, no, no. He just wants to. It, it's a gift. He wants to give you. And he says, all of this, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. No longer, say no longer. No longer counting people's sins against them. Again, if God's forgotten it, isn't it about time you do too, right? No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who'd never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ, right? That, that not only do we receive this last part, and I almost made it a four-point message, but you know I didn't want to do that to you guys. But, but when we take this, and this is the last part of the vision, we're ambassadors for Christ. When you put him in the center, you allow him to move. Man, he sets you free. You're charged with taking this to other people. But that's what we're doing here. They're inviting people to come along, to join you at church, to be a part of an in-depth, to pray with you at work, whatever it may be. As long as it's putting Christ at the center, that we're called to be ambassadors and take this Man, to everybody that we can, this truth. I love, man, I take every opportunity I can to, to share the gospel with people, the good news. Why? Because I want to take people with me. Man, I love, there's no greater feeling than when I get, when I get to encounter somebody who's as stupid as I am and, and, and introduce them to truth. Like, it's, it is my favorite thing. It is my favorite thing. And when, when people have that, that light bulb moment, when they, when they recognize and they understand, like, that's what you were talking about. And there's this excitement because we get, we're called to do that and we should want to do it. And so I encourage you, it's kind of my last charge to you guys that don't, don't stop here with it. Tell everyone about it. Tell everyone what, what he's doing in your life, what, what he can do in theirs. Again, this is so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Not only does he want to change your story and set you free, he wants to use you to change somebody else's story and set them free. He says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who'd never sin to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I want you to do this. I want you to, I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to spend a moment 
with God tonight. And I want you to think about, first and foremost, where you're at with him. Where you're at with your relationship with him. Where you're at with these truths, right? Is this you? Have you bought in? Or are you still white knuckling life? Have you accepted all that he's come to do? And then I want you to to ask him to give you opportunities to share this. God, I I thank you. Thank you for those that are here tonight, Lord, that that you've called here. You know, it's not by accident that we find ourselves gathered together tonight. And though we may think that, Lord, we had everything to do with it, Lord, I, I know that you play a role in all of this, especially our, our presence before you. And so, God, I, I know that because of that, you have something for every one of us in this room. No matter what we think, God, you, you have something for us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would awaken us to that truth. God, if there's those in this room tonight that have never made that commitment to follow you, Lord, I pray that you'd begin to deal with their hearts now, knowing that here at the end of service, they'll have an opportunity, Lord. Press into them and, and tell them, remind them, tonight's the night to commit. And Lord, I know there's those in this room that struggle with sharing what what you're doing in their lives. Lord, help us to not be cowards, but to be bold, to be bold with the things of God. Awaken us, God, to truth. Awaken us to your call, to your plan, to your purpose. Help us to follow you. Lord, and I thank you for just this moment where we can be made aware of you. Make us aware. Thank you for all of that. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, James tells us that we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. So we have some action steps for you. Number one tonight is allow the truth of the gospel to shape your life, not societal norms. I get that you step out of here and you can find all sorts of things to tell you contrary to whatever it is I say. I I get that. There's plenty of it. Don't allow those things to shape you. Allow it to be God's truth, his word. Number two, invite people to join you on a Monday night. Be an inviter. You'd be amazed how many people will, will show up with you. People are hungry for the truth. They're hungry for something real. Invite people to be here. Number three, commit to share the vision of Cedar Point Recovery to to help change the way people view recovery. That's one of my biggest prayers. It's just that we would break away from the way it's always been. I hate that. Let's do it God's way. And so all of this tonight, again, 
I couldn't be more clear if we believe in a relationship with Jesus. That's where it begins. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never done that, you never made Jesus Lord of your life, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Now, <clears throat> it's going to require you to be bold. It's going to require you to step up and, and step out in and, and front of people. Um, but I encourage you that if God's pressing on your heart tonight, if he's leading you, don't, don't stifle that voice. Here in just a moment, when we start this song, everybody will rise and you can come down front and you'll find somebody that wants to pray with you and for you and lead you to a relationship with Christ. Make tonight the night that everything changes. Two, maybe you've done that, but you went back to your old ways and you messed up or, or whatever, you ran away. If that's you, you've done that, recommit. And it's gonna require that, that you're bold in front of people, but God will honor that. So if you need to do that tonight, same offer stands. Come out of your seat. Come down front. Allow somebody to pray with you. Then maybe God's just been pressing your heart. The Holy Spirit's been dealing with you. And he's saying, that right there, that's standing in the way of what I want you to do. If there's something you need to set down tonight that you need to get rid of, come down here and get a white chip. There's nothing special about it. It's a piece of plastic. But there's something significant about when we act in faith, knowing that God will move. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Well, we would love to pray with you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to just to step out of your seat, come down front and join us. If everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.